Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenues Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing uh, uh, better than the Mets' playoff hopes. Does anybody still... Play? I think they're officially eliminated at this point. Oh, okay. With the Cardinals winning today. Uh, I've also been so checked out that I... Don't know. I'm not 100 percent sure that's true, and I don't care enough to fact check it. So I mean, what what are the odds that it's not true? Mm-hmm. Pretty slim, to be honest. So we've effectively been eliminated for two months, if we're being honest yeah, with ourselves. Pretty much. All right. Well, Mets aside, today is actually a historic day in baseball, um, because in 1974, on this date. Dr. Frank Joe performed the first ulnar collateral ligament replacement surgery on Dodgers right-hand pitcher Tommy John. And, you know, Job has arguably had one of the, the biggest impacts on, on baseball in, like, the modern era because of that. But he isn't in the Hall of Fame. Um, Marvin Miller, who... I can understand the argument for and against that. Like, you have a huge impact in the game, but do we really want to be reminded of all the dudes? (laughs) Well, I mean, think of all the dudes who have come back from it. Don't think about all the dudes who've had their careers fucked up. Yeah, I think he should should be in the Hall of Fame probably on on some level. Yeah. I mean, Marvin Miller, you know, the same argument was like, wow, this guy had a major impact on baseball. How is he not in? He just recently got elected this year. So, hopefully Job's time is coming, because, I mean, Tommy John is such a prevalent thing in baseball, and, I mean, like I was saying, how many careers have been saved because of that, so. So, for promote, extend trade this week, um, I don't want to say that we have three Hall of Fame snubs here, necessarily, but I have three former Mets with arguments where you can elect them into the Hall of Fame. So who are we going to promote, extend, trade, I guess, you know, slam dunk, uh, you know, vote. Um, 
just gets in by the skin of his teeth, and then, you know, we're not electing here. Okay. So first up, we have Gil Hodges. He's eight-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glover, cumulative 273, 359, 487 batting line over 18 seasons, accumulating 42.1 war. And then in addition, he has uh, 660-753 managerial record. That includes the NL Pennant and World Series in 1969, if you want to include that. Next, we have Johan Santana, who is a three-time All-Star, won a single gold glove, and won two Cy Young Awards. And he has a cumulative 320 ERA over 12 seasons and has uh, accumulated 45.6 war over the course of his career. And last but not least is Keith Hernandez, who is a five-time All-Star and 11-time Gold Glover with a cumulative 296, 384, 436 batting line over 17 seasons, and he accumulated 59.4 war over that uh, time frame. And that's all Fangraph's war, if it matters. Uh, Keith, to me, is is a slam-dunk Hall of Famer, even apropos of this segment. I don't understand how he's not in the Hall of Fame. Agreed. I don't like. There are plenty of players in the Hall of Fame worse than Keith Hernandez. Uh, I think with thing, it's the fact that he is a first baseman and is not a big, you know, slugger guy. So from he but, he had what is this a one two three four five six seven eight, an eight year stretch where his lowest WAR total per year was four point one, and that was in a partial season. Nice. Like for the majority of a decade, he was a five win or better player. With not some useful years before and after that. Yep, no, not disagreeing, but I'm saying I think that when you compare him to other first basemen who are different types of players, the numbers, the the base numbers, which is what, you know, until 15, 20 years ago is basically the only stuff that got looked at. Those base numbers don't necessarily, I don't want to say they don't hold up, but they don't look as impressive, you know, especially obviously the home run numbers and being a first baseman. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. That, but that really is the only argument. The Hall of Fame voters will do a lot of stupid shit these days, but they did even stupider shit when Keith was up for it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess this question comes down to how you feel about the Hall. I'm definitely more a peak over accumulator guy. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, Johan has more war than Hodges anyway, but Johan had a three-year stretch of just probably being the best pitcher in baseball um, from 2004 to 2006. Yeah, unfortunately, um, none of those years were the Mets. Yes, 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 yes. Um, like this, I think, is my argument for David Wright as well, that David Wright should be a Hall of Famer because he had the peak. Um That's a much more interesting – that's a much more deserving Hall of Fame guy than – uh, I'm trying to come up with some dude who just accumulated for 20 years. But to me, Johan should be in, and then Hodges, I'm agnostic on. I'm trying to think, who's a good Hall of Famer accumulator? Derek Jeter is the <laughs> joke to make here, but he also was good enough to get it. Like, Derek Jeter is not belongs in the Hall of Fame. That's right, yeah. I think Derek Jeter just has enough intangibles from being, you know, the Yankee captain of the uh-huh. dynasty era that, like, you got to kind of give it to him. Like, he, he, like I mean, he's, he's both overrated and also deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Burp Lylevin, was he good? He was no. good. He did have a peak, though, a solid peak. But he was somewhat of an accumulator. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of someone else then. Bly Levin is the one that belonged in and didn't get in for a while. Who's right. the dude who had that one good start for the Tigers? Was that Bly Levin that uh, I'm thinking of? Jack Morris. That's it. Yeah. Is he in the hole? He did. Yeah, get he it. got in. Yeah, All right. Yeah, he is there. That is then the definition. Yeah, he does. Johan Santana, 2004 to 2006, 693 innings, 9.7K9, 1.9 walks per nine. This is an error when strikeouts were lower, of course. Um, 275 ERA, 292 FIP, 20.6 F4. More than two, just about two wins better than the next best pitcher. 
and then four wins better than the fourth, third best pitcher. Like, or the second and best. I will be, third, I mean, if you guys can guess anyone in the top five there, I'd be surprised. <sighs> what year? 2004 to 2006. The best pitcher is Johan Santana. Who are the next four by F4? Brandon Webb? No. He probably didn't. I mean, he was a ground ball guy, so he probably didn't. Yeah, his F4 is not going to like him, but he probably belongs in this discussion. Hmm. Brandon Webb was eight. Not to belabor this too long. I won't leave you hanging, but Roy Oswalt. Oh, all right, duh. Randy Johnson, who at the time is like <laughs> 40, what? I mean, that's just like 40 to 43 <laughs> season. <laughs> that's Randy why Johnson. he's uh, on the Hall of Fame. Ben Sheets. Oh. Ben, ben Sheets did it in like two third, like uh, 200 fewer innings than everyone else. Uh, and then Roger Clemens at the tail end of his career. Ben Sheets. I remember him. What a... Throwback. Yeah, that is a throwback. Nice. Before we ditch this, I wanted, I was thinking like, is Tommy John the single most important surgical invention in terms of sports <laughs> impact ever? And the only surgery I could come up with that's more impactful is ACL reconstruction. Um, but I don't think there's a like a good argument for anything else other than ACL reconstruction being above uh, Tommy John in terms of its impact on any sport. I mean, ACL repair invented in 1895. Really? Wow, that's for the first time apparently. Hmm. And that's basically the the Tommy John of the knee, I guess. Yeah. 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 Would not recommend. Not fun. Yeah, I could imagine. Ken, are you going Santana or Hodges here? Santana. Whoa. That's a lot of certainty. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a guy having a peak um, with like three or four years where he was a six-win pitcher or better. Not a lot of guys do that. Um, it's very, very good. So, best rule five pick ever? Question mark. Uh, There's one other name that comes up in this conversation, and it's escaping me at the moment. But Johan, Jose Batista, Josh Hamilton. Yeah, uh, I'd take Johan over both those dudes. I think. I feel like there's another guy from the Marlins. Or, or was that Santana? Was he originally with the Marlins? And then uh, got... I don't remember. The Twins yeah. took him. I, I don't remember from him. It doesn't matter. Right. Shane Victorino. Victorino, oh, that's a good one. Fuck okay. him. Everyone hated the flying Hawaiian. Of all the names, of all these throwback names to be mentioned on this podcast, and Shane fucking Victorino has to be mentioned. The 2006 Oh, Herrera. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He's kind of recent. Good. Yeah. Uh, Dan Ugla. Dan Ugla's a good pick there. Joaquin Soria. Uh, Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton, yeah. Uh, and that's all of the ones on the list that I'm currently scrolling down. Mm. Well, we don't mention the 2007 to 2010 Phillies here. That just. No, that, that didn't happen. Uh-huh. Erase that from my brain. Very good. I'll, I'll edit this. Alright, so we have, uh, I guess news. I don't know if you, yeah, close enough. Good news, so, everyone! Yeah, good news, well, bad news, I don't know, it, it just is news. Uh, obviously, AAA baseball is the only level of minor league baseball that's still being played right now. We'll discuss what's going on there a little bit later, but, it was reported by Baseball America a couple of days ago that Major League Baseball is going to be tinkering with things a little bit over these last couple of days of the season, last 10 games. And they're going to be introducing balls that are pre-coated with a, a sticky, tacky substance in order to help you know pitchers with their grip. And according to uh, Major League Baseball Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations, Morgan Sword, which is a great name, 
Morgan Sword. Morgan Sword. It's a shame he's not a pitcher with the with pit, with the advent of pitching ninjas terminology. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But according to Senor Sword over here, certain teams will know that they're going to be using pre-coded balls on certain days. Uh, you know, so the players are going to know, everyone's going to know ahead of time, and Major League Baseball just wants to see how that impacts things and then get feedback back from the players. Um, Japan already does this. The Mizuno balls that they use in NPB, they pre-coat their balls with something to, you know, help pitchers get a grip. And the players there generally, you know, players Japanese and uh, foreign, um, you know, give it positive reviews. Uh, SSK, which is another company that makes balls, they make the balls for like amateur leagues in Japan, um, industrial leagues, and they also did the balls for the Olympics this year. Players also, you know, have positive reviews of these kind of sticky balls, pre-sticky balls. So on the surface, I mean, it's, it seems like a, a solid idea, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Because baseball, Major League Baseball has made a mess of a lot of changes over the years. So there's a very good possibility they somehow fuck this up too. They use, did you, they, they use these at the Olympics, right? And everyone. Yeah. Yeah. They love them. Pitchers, it's easier for them to hold. According to, I think it was Tristan Casas, he said that it was easier to hit because the ball is shinier and it's like, you know, easier to pick up on. So it's like win-win from a player's point of view. I mean, I, I think given, given the positive reviews, uh, uh, from players, including former major leaguers or high-level prospects, this seems like a good idea. Um, it's frustrating that they've seemingly been unable to do any sort of reliable analysis on drag or, uh, the effect of the surface of the ball on spin rate, things like this before they put these balls into circulation. Um, it seems like that. So, so I don't know if they fixed that side of things, but yeah, I got no problem with them trying out uh, a slightly different ball. I also don't have a problem if they go with these and then get a lot stricter with the foreign substances saying, all right, guys, you can all use this, but nothing else. Because then it's a level playing field, and I don't have a problem with that. I mean, that's how things are now. That In theory, but like, <laughs> the, the enforcement is very lax. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it's... Guys are going to want to cheat no matter what. You know, like, okay, they have a solid, you know, these new balls will give them a solid grip. And they can just use some foreign stuff to get an excellent grip then, you know? Maybe they'll start spitting on the balls. We'll bring no. like, ball, like something, you know what I mean? Like, there's always going to be guys that are going to try to. Who's the last dude to throw a spitball? Who knows? Mike Pelfrey was actually throwing a spitball all those years, <laughs> given how often he licked his hands. Legal spitballs was Burley Grimes, and then, you know. Burley Grimes, what a name. Um, yep, and then Randos, obviously. Who's the last guy to get caught throwing a spitball? That's a good question. Uh, I could not tell you. The disgusting I mean, I guess, concept. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's really just not an effective thing anymore just because, I mean, spitball, it's more than just spit that the guys would have. They'd have, like, the, the tobacco, chew, juice, and all that other kinds of shit on it. So spitting on it itself would just not really do much. The hitting aspect is interesting. I mean, I, yeah, I wish Tom, you guys have played more high-level baseball than I ever did. Because I had a lazy eye and could never hit for shit. Um, but the fact that this could benefit both pitchers in terms of control and throwing crazy pitches, which I think everyone enjoys watching on some level, while also potentially uh, letting hitters see the ball better. Um, yeah, that was an interesting... That, that's, that sounds like the best of... But yeah, I want to see a dude throwing a disgusting slider that breaks two feet. 
And I'd also like to see some guys actually hit it from time to time. So if we get both, <laughs> sounds good to me. That was the first thing that went through my head. I was like, you know, I, I think everybody, whether or not you agree that it's a problem or not, but everybody can agree that, you know, pitching is light years ahead of hitting at this point. And why is Major League Baseball basically trying to help pitchers even more? But, you know, it is it is interesting that, you know, I mean, at least according to Casas anyway, you know, maybe he, he's a, obviously he's a top prospect, so maybe his opinion is not really the... Uh, will be shared by the rank and file, but mm-hmm. if it is, that that yeah, that would be cool. Well, well I guess we're not going to know, you know, who. I don't think it'll be made public anyway. What what teams will be using the ball these last couple of days and all that other stuff? But you know, between now and the start of next season depending on the results that they get back and the data they get back, maybe it'll be implemented uh, on a wide-scale basis next year, but we'll see. I wonder how we... Have you guys ever caught a ball at a game? I never. I've gotten, like, dinky foul balls, but I've never gotten an actual ball at a game. I've caught two. Well, I didn't actually catch either, but I came into possession of two. Mm Mm-hmm. One was this season when I was in Binghamton, and Jeremy Vasquez hit a home run, and it went out of the park because it bounced off of, uh, like, the batting cage that's out there. Mm-hmm. And as I was – he he hit the home run, like, as me and my brother were leaving, and we're walking through the parking lot, and it's empty because everyone else is at the game. This was like the seventh inning or whatever it was, and I wanted to leave early because the trip from Binghamton back home was like three hours, and it was a Sunday, you know, work the next day. So we're in the empty parking lot, and all of a sudden, a ball just kind of rolls pretty slowly through the parking lot. I'm just like, oh, shit. <laughs> it has a scuff mark on it, so, uh, you know, unless there's a little fairy somewhere dropping balls, that clearly had to have been his. My, my question really is, have you noticed stick on the ball? Have oh, you ever gotten one? No. Uh, not, no. Not, nothing at all. I wonder if it would... That's it. That's another thing. Being, uh, I don't know what's a gift. This is a good term. Being lay people, you know, to the game of baseball. I wonder what it does, like, feel like, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, pie tars... You ever, you ever like move a Christmas tree into your oh wait hey, well you ever move a Christmas tree and pick it up with your bare hands pine tar sucks does it okay <laughs> I I have never done it's, that so it gets it's, st- stuck and doesn't get unstuck it takes like two days to get it off your hand so I'm amazed that if they're using all this pine tar that we don't notice it on the ball afterwards but you know whatever well, that's interesting. Always wear gloves when carrying a Christmas tree, people. You will. It, it's worth the three minutes it takes to go find some gloves. Good advice. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, on the topic of rule changes, the Arizona Fall League is also going to undergo some changes this year. Um, but nothing 
it, it's crazy and drastic, but at the same time, not really that crazy and drastic because basically all of the rule changes that Major League Baseball was playing with this season, they're just all going to be implemented in the AFL. So pitchers can be subject to a 15-second pitch clock. They're going to be limited to two pickoffs per plate appearance. Infielders are going to be required to remain, you know, um, in their designated zones. Oh, they're doing that in the AFL? Yeah. Yep. Fuck. The base is going to be bigger. I hate that so much. (laughs) I mean, it is the culmination, culmination of everything that they've been doing this year, so... And then in addition, the automatic ball strike calling thing that they were using in the low east southeast, which impacted St. Lucie, it's also going to be used only for one team at their one stadium, the Salt Lake, uh, excuse me, Salt River Rafters, which is the feeder team for the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, Marlins, Twins, and Rays. Everywhere else is going to still have umpires with full judgment. I mean, I like all these changes. Aside from, like, the bigger bags, great idea. Make a, I mean, give more room for people to slide, avoid collisions, good. I thought the two pickoff thing, you're only allowed two pickoffs, was, like, an interesting strategic element. Um, I've not watched a ton of games, so I don't know how that has affected a bunch, much, but sure, interesting. Pitch clock, I also think, is a good idea, and plenty of the people who know even more about pitching than I do and talk to major leaguers think it's also uh, an interesting idea. You know, Eno Saris has talked about this a bit. But the shift one is just so fucking lame, man. I... Not a fan. So lame. It's it's part of, like... It's a smart way to play the game. Mm -hmm. Adapt. Do something different. I I hate it. Like, my friend... I was at the... uh, and forgive me, but I was I went to a Yankee game recently because I had some friends in town, and they are much more lay people in terms of uh, baseball fandom than us. They thought it was cool as shit when the Yankees put four dudes in the outfield for Joey Gallo. Yeah, like, shifts, shifts do cool shit. I had to like I got to explain to them for like five minutes about why the hell you would do this and how it works. I'm like, it, it's. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, that's the only way to, that's the only uh, <laughs> Angry gargling noises. Sounds like a Frankenstein in some various iterations. The headless body of Agnew. <laughs> oh, future. Well, speaking of the AFL, official rosters have not been released yet. Um, so we're gonna make some recommendations because I'm sure everybody in the Mets front office listens to us, so they should listen. But, you know, in the past, most of the guys that were sent to the AFL regard well-regarded prospects, usually from AA or AAA. With the changes to the minors this year, maybe we'll see some more guys from high A because, you know, the talent levels are kind of screwy, but, you know, who knows. So what are some names that you would want to see in the AFL? Assuming nothing has changed, I believe every team was... Uh, limited to four players in total. So who would I be hope f- you have a good answer here because I don't. <laughs> um, well, historically, the AFL has been used for guys to get a taste of the upper minors mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, so I would have to think like Mauricio might be a good send here. Um, I think Batty maybe. Although he spent a lot of time in Double A, but you know, might be a good idea to continue to get him reps given mm-hmm. how much um, time has been missed due to the pandemic and everything. Uh, maybe even somebody like like Jalen Palmer. Do you worry at all? So, so I, I agree with that logic. My one concern is that we just went from. A normal season to the pandemic season back to the full length of normal season. I'm wondering if that like lost year is gonna affect these guys's these guys's these let's go with these players ability to to still perform and 
you know, not hurt themselves at this after a full season. Um, I mean, pitchers are always gassed in the AFL, but I worry to worry about even the hitters this year, given that we just went from a short season to a long season. Yeah, that partially is why I don't think I personally would send uh, Mauricio specifically. Like he, I don't want to say he struggled in Brooklyn, but he wasn't really that great. And I feel like just adding more time on top of all of that, you know, it's just not going to really have too much of a benefit. But, you know, the other guys agree. You know, I would say Brett Beatty, the, he was good this year and then obviously lost a, a lot of time towards the end of the season because of, um, getting promoted and then all the COVID nonsense that was going on with Binghamton, like, he kind of lost like three weeks almost between everything. So, okay, the AFL is a, is a month. Like, that's perfect to fill in that little gap in his 2020 resume there. Same thing with Vientos. Not as as exaggerated as Baby because at least he's in AAA and he still will be playing, but he lost a pretty big chunk of time. It would be nice to see you know, more at-bats for him. So I I personally have no desire to send Beatty. Have we ever have we ever settled whether it's Batty or Beatty? It's Beatty. Go with Beatty. Okay. I don't have any desire to send Beatty. Really, I think I'd rather send Mauricio in the hopes that he like pops off for a couple games and you can. <laughs> Anything you could do to increase his trade value. Exactly. It, because it's very easy if he sucks in the AFL to like hand wave it away. Like, oh, well, it's a small sample size. He was tired. He had played a full season. Don't care. If he goes there and hits like six homers or something, you go into every trade. Like some, there are going to be three scouts there who just go gaga because that's the first time they've seen him or something. And then you go into trade discussion saying, yeah, we got this guy who hit six homers in the AFL when he's only 20 or whatever Mauricio is. Can we have your top end starting pitcher for him, please? <laughs> um, only it worked like that so easily. Uh-huh. Don't you know, though, that um, the Mets don't have a good farm system, so they have to uh-huh. hold all of their prospects super tight. <laughs> right, right. Um. The other thing I feel like the AFL is always good for is for getting guys who are coming back from injury sometime. Mm-hmm. But like all the Mets injuries are don't have time. Like maybe PCA would have made sense, but they've traded him. Uh, Allen is still relatively early in his Tommy John recovery. Ginn is the interesting one on that front, but he might have already thrown enough for this year in his first year back. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't push it. like 80 or so innings, 70, something to that effect. He, he's the one that I think would be most interesting to see there, but I think I agree with Ken in that I wouldn't push him. Yeah, no reason to. One got out. I was looking at what exactly his problem was and then what the diagnosis uh, was and everything. Thomas Zapucky, he had ulnar transposition surgery in June, and the average recovery for that time is three to six months. So if he is on the quicker side of that, he would be ready. And obviously seeing if he has any kind of use as a baseball player at this point left is kind of important. Yep. I would have liked I, – I, I... Given his history, I doubt he's uh, going through a quick rehab. Let's put it yeah, that no. way. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, maybe I'd be like mildly interested in seeing Sanger there, maybe. Yeah, I was going to just bring him up too. I mean, he's only caught like 60 games or something like that this year. So the catching AFL is tough. always needs catchers too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, fuck it, son. Like Carlos Cortez or something. I don't care. <laughs> let him, let him build that trade, them, uh, trade value to Luke Ritter. Did Luke Ritter, uh, wind up actually leading Binghamton in, or excuse me, uh, Brooklyn in home runs? No, he was, he broke yeah. his hands and missed like a month, month and a half. Alvarez, yeah, Alvarez. You could tell how much attention I was paying to Luke Ritter's season. Yeah. <laughs> Alvarez, 
um, hit 22 or 23. I mean, I'd send if, if his hand's healthy, send him whatever. Sanger is the only like somewhat quote in quotations here real prospect. I think I have a ton of interest in sending to the AFL, with the exception of Beatty, just for. Um, Excuse me, with the exception of Mauricio, just for trade value purposes. If he was still around, I would like to send Tim Tebow again. But <laughs> in, his, in his absence, I think we'll have to send Jake Mangum instead. Oh, no. Or actually, Mangum's the kind of dude who just eats at the Fall League. Actually, um, what's his name? Brandon McIlwain. He was a, he was also a college, uh, quarterback that turned to baseball. He's kind of raw. I could, I mean, I think he would be completely overmatched because he didn't do too, too well in St. Lucie and the level of competition, you know, in the AFL would be way above his ability. But I mean, he's the kind of guy too, like you, you'd want to get the kind of guy like that more at bats and just kind of see how they're progressing as a, as baseball players because very athletic, quick, you know, like the tools are great, but just the baseball skills need development. If he sure. was like level above, that would be, be a fun guy. I, I, sure, send him, whatever. I'm much more willing to do aggressive shit with non-elite prospects most of the time. I don't know whether that's actually a good thing or not, but, you know. Whatever. Somewhere you can't be too timid and you can't be too crazy either. It's always somewhere in the in-between. Also, I mean, at the end of the day, too, 20, 20, the season is, is, you know, we're coming off of 2020, which is very crazy. And not everything was right in 2021 either. So who knows how teams are going to treat the AFL? Mm. It could just be like, hey, we're just going to give all of our top prospects more, you know, a month's worth of playing time. And you see super teams instead of the kind of, you know, usually you'll have a two, you know, like a, a team will send like one or two legit guys and then, you know, kind of filler. I'm trying to think like the last couple of years, the Mets would have like teams with Andres Jimenez and, and like Patrick Mazeka and like Ali Sanchez. It's like, oh, okay. Riley Gilliam, you know, like you get a, a mixture. Maybe this year the teams will use it differently. Who knows? Mm. That would be kind of fun. Treat sure. it as like a prospect super league. The real problem is like all the, no matter what you do, all the arms are going to be gassed. Yeah. Uh, even in norm, even under more normal conditions, like that was always the refrain: is yeah, these arms are gassed. So. Sure, we'll get a nice Mackenzie Gore appearance at the AFL. That'll be fun. Mm. And then the season starts, I think it was the 13th of October. Let's see. Hold on. What was it? Yeah, the week, the week beginning October 10th. So whatever day specifically of the week it starts. But that's, you know, about three weeks from now. So we will have actual rosters within probably a week or two. And then we'll know more then. All right, now we'll move on to our weekly affiliate updates. And it's kind of boring, and it will be continue to be boring for the next couple of weeks until the season's actually over, because all it is is Syracuse. And when was the last time Syracuse played a game that, like, either A, mattered, or B, you remotely cared about. Um, 2019. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe not even that year. I think Syracuse just missed out on the playoffs, so they were definitely were exciting games in 2019. If I'm can, can we just comment on Khalil Lee's season line real quick since we're talking about Syracuse? He's having a very good season, which is 272, 447, 500. That's a 161 weighted, or WRC plus. He's striking out 29% of the time, but walking, like, walking 18% of the time. This is extremely my shit. <laughs> Power speed OBP, uh, center fielder with high strikeouts. Yes. Yeah, I mean, outside of his first month 
in Syracuse, and then and like the what was it? How long was he on the Mets for? Like a week, two weeks, whatever. Eighteen plate appearances during which he struck out thirteen times. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Outside of outside of that, I mean, he's been like pretty under the radar good since like June first onwards. So you, that's a, a considerable body of work. Uh, let's see. His strikeout rate since June first is still about thirty percent. Yeah, like, uh, don't get me wrong. The strikeouts are concerning, but but uh, this is oh, it's even worse from July on. Okay, I didn't say anything. Delete, delete. The weird thing is he's not hitting for like a ton of power. Like you, when you think like all or nothing guys, you think of like the Adam Duns of the world, the guys that just mash or do nothing else. Mm-hmm. He only has what fifteen home runs, I think. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, yeah. Like, he's hitting plenty of doubles and plenty of triples, obviously, because his slugging is in the 500s, which is great. You'd think where a guy like that, he would have at least 20 homers. Look, they should not be counting on, uh, they should not be counting on him to be a starter next year and and by any stretch of the imagination. But you could do a lot worse than Khalil Lee as a reserve guy hanging out at AAA. And I think there is starter potential in there. They should just not build a team banking on that. No. But yeah, he's he's had a good season. Um, basically, the, this week, the, the Syracuse Mets against the Red Riders have just kind of been a mess because of the weather. There's been suspended games, postponed games, and whatever, but the story, I guess, of the week was no Syndergaard. He pitched, <laughs> technically, if you look at the box scores, he pitched two days in a row, but in actuality, he pitched on Wednesday, and then that game got suspended, and it got picked up on Friday, and then on he actually pitched again on Saturday, so... um, In his first rehab start on that Wednesday through a scoreless inning. Uh, seven out of his 11 pitches were strikes. He got a pair of fly balls and ground out. And then on that Saturday, he threw another scoreless innings. He did give up a hit in this one, but he also struck out two. Uh, Ten of his 12 pitches were strikes. And the one out that he recorded wasn't a strikeout, was basically a pop-up that went like 10 feet, and the catcher caught it. But he's only throwing... You know, as prescribed, I guess, uh, only throwing fastballs and change-ups, which is weird. So yeah. It just doesn't sound kosher. Like, he, And he's only throwing 94 to 95 from what I yeah. saw. Yeah. Here's the question. Do you QO him? Yeah, because money should not be... A factor in any of this. Should it be? But probably will be. Right, yeah, I mean, yeah, it will be. Who are we kidding? If money's a factor, I don't think I QO him, honestly. I hate that, like, I try to re-sign him. Like, I try to get him to do, to, to like, a one-in-one or something. Right, right. But given how this rehab has gone, I don't know that I want to invest $20 million in Noah Syndergaard for 2022. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't think he is the Noah Syndergaard of like 2015 and 16. Is that when he was really good? Or is it 16, 17? Whatever. He's been pretty great whenever healthy. I mean, I'll go pull up the leaderboards here. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Mets have historically sucked at Tommy John recoveries, so. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know about this one, Chief. Yeah, the fact that he. Came back early in the year and then had some kind of setback. Does not bode well. From 2016 to 2019, Noah Syndergaard was the 10th best pitcher in baseball by F4. Wow. K9 pushing 10, 2 walks per 9, 3.32 ERA, 2.83 FIP. He's always underperformed his FIP because he gets up hard contact. I'm sure DRA probably rates him a little lower, but 
the dude's a top 15 to 20 starter, but if he's not throwing hard and also not throwing breaking stuff, <laughs> what, what he, what's left to throw? <laughs> you gotta start doing, you gotta start doing that spitball then at that point. <laughs> Get Mag Pelfrey on the phone. <laughs> How many starts a year has he made? Like, it feels like he's just kind of all over the place and, like, hasn't... I haven't really realized how... Well, here's the... Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. He's only started 94 games. Everyone above him is 100, 110. Mm. So, like, when he pitches, it's really good. Right, but Um, he's just... And I'd rather invest in guys that are maybe a little injury-prone but very good. But at the same time, I don't... Like, that's a lot of money to pay for a dude that... If we're being honest... And there's a chance he doesn't pitch it all next year either. Like, uh, yeah. The slider, the not throwing breaking stuff thing is is worrisome. Yeah, I, have you ever heard of that? Because I can't no. recall ever. Yeah. Okay. Like, I so I not throwing it as much, you know. Right, but like, just not. The Mets, they tried to do that with for a long time, to, to especially when he had the the bone spurs. But yeah, I've never heard of just, hey, shelve a third of your arsenal. I was gonna say that DRA, I, I thought DRA would like him less. No, DRA also loves him. He's at DRA minuses of 50, 54, 55, and then he wasn't as good in 2019. He was only at 69. Nice. Um, like a consistent five or six win pitcher by baseball perspectives met- metrics though. So like, Dude's really fucking good if he can throw all his pitches, but right now he can't throw any of his pitches, so it's sadness. Depression. Well, he's not the only guy that's making his rehab. Rob Gazelman is as well. Oh, man. The, the, that's great, because the two of them are, are like a couple of morons together. I mean that in the most endearing, positive way possible. Just... Uh, sure they're having some fun. Yep. One obviously will make a major, hopefully, impact when and, and if, I guess at this point, he comes back, uh, next season. Rob Gazelman, hmm, probably not so much. Non-tender Gazelman at this point, I think. And then he'll go to Seattle and become great. <sighs> probably right (laughs) all right well moving on obviously the rest of the teams did not play but binghamton you know they ended the season uh to repeat now 47 and 60 brooklyn they ended the season uh 48 and 70 and st Lucie, the one bright spot ended their uh season at 60 and 55. And it's crazy to think that we were like, wow, this team is so good. It's great. They only ended the season five games over 500. Which everything, all of our, all, all of our hopes and happiness that we attach to them, it's just like, oh, five games. Hmm. So yeah, that's the uh, system's bad. Yeah. Oh, system was bad. What can you do? Hopefully next year it'll be the opposite. I have an idea. You could sign your first round pick. I mean, that's generally a good idea for making your system better. Good, crazy thought, I know, but. Yeah, that would help. Especially when they have like, ace upside. Mm-hmm. No worries though, guys. We have Tyler McGill. Who's, I, I realize I've been, I, I've been spelling it wrong this whole time. It's Tylor, not Tyler. Tyler. Yes. His mom is also, a. um, well, given, given that I'm mentioning it, you probably know what she is on Twitter, so, uh, I'll leave it at that. I actually don't know, but I'm trying to guess, is she a crazy Trump anti-vax person? Incorrect. Ah. <laughs> oh no. I got I was like, well, there's either it's like two, it's like two or three archetypes, so we'll just go with the low hanging fruit first, I guess. All right. Don't take ivermectin, people. Don't do that, please. Unless you're a horse. We have any? Is there, horse- yes, our our very large horse audience, horse-based audience, Steve. 
You never know. <laughs> we do, we, I mean, they might be Rumble Ponies fans. Ah, see, there you go. They shouldn't be taking the Hypermectin either. <laughs> uh, oh, the Will Pottery of the Week this time around. Uh, I have one. I don't want, I, I dislike be, that we always wind up on political topics here, but I do have one. Eh, that's fine. If it's kind of like funny-ish. Uh, uh, yeah, it's not funny. Here, another one from another team I root for that is just painfully, uh, um, a painful team to root for. If y'all, any of y'all are Sixers fans or basketball fans in general, I'm sure you're aware of the, uh, Ben Simmons situation. Sixers. I don't even know what Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76. I was about to say Indianapolis, so good thing I didn't. Now those are the Pacers. Uh, ben, ben Simmons uh, politely uh, sucked in the playoffs, got very mildly criticized, and is now throwing a gigantic hissy fit about it and refuses to speak to anyone within the organization. And, you know, that inability to uh, self-reflect or take any sort of criticism without uh, throwing a hissy fit or firing a pregnant woman or anything of that nature, that's a very Will Pondery. To, that's some prime Will Pondery to me. Uh Honestly, a very common trait that may have persisted to new ownership, but we know. Who knows? Just the inability to, to take any sort of criticism in a productive manner. Wait, what did this guy do? Ben Simmons? Yes. So, uh, uh, basically, uh, to politely put it, he threw their playoff game. On and Bede and his coach very mildly said, yeah, that was bad. You can't do that. And now he's refusing to show up for camp, even though he has a four-year max contract. Um, you know, so just total inability to self-reflect and so improve on anything. They said, like, hey, you weren't good today. And he's basically saying, screw you guys, I'm going home. Yep, yep. yep. Okay, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, basketball, it's a sport. It It is. All right. It's also a spectacle. Oh, it sure is. And the Sixers sure as hell are always a, uh, the clown at the circus here. Well, we're, we're used to, yeah, we have a lot of clown experience. So. Uh-huh. Why I chose to root for another team like this, um, don't know the answer to that question. You like the punishment. Mm-hmm. All right, well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complexthequeens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Ken is, uh, excuse me, Lucas is at Elvahus343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at ZedMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. 